Welcome back to 312, the HRP podcast. If you listened to us before, you know that each episode of 312 is divided into two sections. The work hard section, which is all business, where we talk about what we're doing, services we provide, and the clients that we work with. Naturally, after work hard comes play hard. A video section of the podcast, which you can see on our YouTube channel. In this episode of 312, we are talking about PFOS. Yes, if you listen to our content, you probably know that we have another podcast called P3. Did you also know that we have a subscription service called the PFOS Pulse, an aggregator of all things related to PFOS? Well, in today's episode, we are going to be talking about that service. Our first guest today, Tom Darby. Hello, everyone. Uh, This is Tom Darby. I'm the environmental practice leader here at HRP. And Tom and I will be talking about the PFOS Pulse, telling you what it is and some of the more important or significant pieces that have been put on there so that you can know if this is a service that you want to get involved with. Spoiler alert, it definitely is. All right, so, Mr. Darby, what do you have for us? Can you start us off by just explaining what the Pulse is? The Pulse, the best way to describe it, uh, I think you already mentioned, it's an aggregator of all things PFAS. So when we, when you go into the Pulse page, uh, it's divided into several different sections. Um, first, you'll see the headlines. And the headlines are where we post anything news-related that, that comes out. So whether it's a, uh, a new regulation that gets posted, something that EPA releases, uh, new data that comes out, uh, you know, research articles related to remediation technology, um, that all gets put on the headlines. Um, as you dig into the, the different buckets or the different sections um, in the pulse, you can look at regulations by state. So as we come up with a new regulation, um, you know, so say Connecticut releases a regulation on PFOS or something they're going to do specific to that state. You can click on the actual icon of the state and go into anything that's Connecticut specific, um, anything that's South Carolina specific. So it tries to organize the data to make it uh, navigable to what's appropriate for you. So the other buckets that are on the on the pulse we get into you know category categorizing anything litigation related or research related uh, there's a lot of content on here as new remedial technologies come out um, you know we're, we're posting to those articles so people can easily navigate and and find the information on that so there's also an archive section so a, as new stuff becomes available we don't take the old stuff down um, we add it to the archive, and, and you can go back and look at PFOS articles back to the start of the Pulse back in 2019. Yeah. Um, some of those are probably well outdated. I guarantee that. <laughs> if you read them now, you'd be like, I don't know what they were talking about. But Yeah, that was it, a big topic of conversation, too, when we first launched. And is it, Do we want to keep everything up there as like a record? Or because then we run into issues of like, well, we know this stuff is going to be outdated at some point. We know that with an emerging contaminant that's now just fully a contaminant, we know that with uh, changing regulations that information that's up here is going to be out of date at some point. So we move that stuff into the archive. We keep the latest stuff up front for you. But we also want you to have that resource with the Pulse to go back and see what was what back when we first started putting that stuff up there. Um, it's actually, it's, it's pretty fun to look back through the archives and just see the headlines and how they've evolved over time. Like what, what was important, um, back in 2019, Mm -hmm. what was, what was getting released versus, you know, into 2020, well, late 2022, 2023, where we're really getting into a lot of regulation, a lot of, you know, the, the big one that's, that's been lurking out there is the, uh, you know, the hazardous designation, the hazardous mm-hmm. waste designation, the CERCLA uh, from EPA, you know, that's that's kind of, those kind of articles have more dominated the headlines in the, in the recent year. Yeah. So uh, when, we, when we look back at just the other day, um, you know, there was a, a new 
federal registry post from EPA for the, the TOSCA reporting and record keeping requirements. And again, if you're subscribed to the Pulse, there's an email blast that came out. So when that article came out, we posted it on the Pulse and you get a breaking news type notification. So you don't have to go looking for it. You don't have to run onto it. It, it hits your inbox and you're able to stay informed quickly. Yeah. It's why a service like the Pulse is so valuable because uh, not everyone is going to be as diligent, certainly not Google with keep it with telling you what is and isn't out of date information. You need a service like the Pulse. You need experts like we have at HRP. And then the Pulse also has other, um, I'm going to say more static type documents that have been put together uh, that are, you know, related to here's a, here's a guide to PFOS terminology. I mean, we've, in our experience, we've talked to clients and, and, you know, we live this stuff every day. So we're, our knowledge is at a level where we can say what's the difference. You know, we know what's the difference between PFOA and PFOS or when someone says PFOS. We've talked to people that obviously aren't on the same level and we take that for granted sometimes. So we've taken a step back. Uh, we have a document, PFOS, a basic review. What is PFOS? Where do you find it? What industries should be concerned? So there's some helpful resources in that respect to um, educate you if if you you know you don't know a lot of the terminology or why is PFOS a problem? Um, what industries are should be concerned about it? Uh, there's also um, some different fact sheets that have been put together. There's one on metal plating. There's one on AFFF. So you know a lot of the common stuff that that people that work with PFOS or you know or work in the in the environmental field are, are well aware of. Um, it just gives you a, a way to get up to speed pretty quickly. And a lot of those articles, Tom, then roll into uh, podcast episodes on our P3 platform. The podcast platform gives us an opportunity to respond to and, and provide additional input beyond the article. Uh, a lot of the what it means. We're not the experts in everything. So a lot of our podcast content, we get uh, remediation vendors. We get some of the um, you know laboratory experts to come on and talk about it. Uh, we've had ones with lawyers. You know, one of the upcoming P3s that will get released is uh, on EPA method 1633, and it's a laboratory method, so who better to talk about it than someone from a lab? So we'll have Stephen Somerville uh, with Pace uh, on that podcast talking about the method and what it means and you know how it's different than what we've been doing, why it's better. So I, I think there's, there's a lot of value to having the documents, but then also you know the additional, um, the addition of the the podcast uh, to be able to kind of react to some of this stuff and put it in context. There's also uh, a section on the Pulse that has some archived webinars. So again, more content. Um, a lot of this stuff is is geared towards the, I'm going to say the pre-regulation era. So what you need to be prepared for, what you need to be, what you need to look for, you know, what industries it affects, and a lot of a lot of stuff is going to change once the regulations go into effect, and and it gets the, the hazardous designation or the circular designation uh, as a hazardous substance. That's that's really going to affect all areas of what we do, um, but we'll continue to update this, and and you know the pulse will continue to evolve as the regulations do. And what are some of the more significant uh, articles or areas that we've covered on the Pulse? Individual ones that stand out as like, no, oh, this was really good that we got this out when we did. The one that that resonates with me, and I just I, I mentioned uh, talking about the podcast. I mentioned uh, the one with Stephen Somerville. Uh, we've actually done two with him. It's going to be an update to sixteen thirty three now that draft method four has been released. Uh, the the original one that we did with him that really went into the different analytical methods, um, you know, we had a lot of response from that podcast from you know clients and industry of that was really great. You know, it, it simplified. Here are the methods we've been using. Here's how this one's different. 
um, you know, number of parameters and and different um, different key elements of, of the method. So that's that's one that always stands out to me. I've sent that to a number of people, and the responses have been, "This is great. This helps me understand what's there." Um, my colleague Jackie Baxley, the EHNS practice leader, has done several on um, the like the Tosca regulations, and that affects a lot of our clients. And there's a lot of questions uh, on the reporting and what what some of the EPCRA reporting uh, requirements are and how it changes with PFOS. So those have been um, really good podcasts. Um, and all these are backed by different articles that get posted. So um, I, th- I think the, you know, you can go in and read about it or you can listen to a podcast of someone explaining it. The other one that that really stands out, I think um, we had a lawyer come on and talk about, you know, environmental liabilities related to due diligence. I mean, that's a big part of what we do. And, you know, to have somebody come on and provide that legal perspective to help help our clients navigate, you know, due diligence and, and, you know, what it means if they're trying to sell a property, what they need to look for if they're buying a property. Um, we've had, we've had several recent examples of due diligence that, that the landscapes definitely changed because of PFOS where we had, you know, documented release from fires where they use foam and, you know, that being able to, to inform a client really helps them avoid so one of the other things I think that's that's memorable on here, Tom, um, or that stands out, you know, under the the resources, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we have the PFOS basic review and the guide to understanding the terminology. Uh, one of the one is, I'm going to call it the gray areas right now <laughs> with PFOS is PFOS and air. Yeah, um, there hasn't been a lot published about it. The analytical methods are a little suspect. But there's more and more coming out of it. And um, our air expert, Allison Teropoulos, uh wrote up a blog article, PFOS and air, what do we know? So it was kind of a, a culmination of, of the current state of the science, the lab methods, the regulation, and, and took that information and summarized it into something that's it's it's a quick read, but it gets the salient points across and and provides a good resource. So I think that's that's what we do. We're able to take all this information and boil it down and, and get you really what is important. And folks, just to give you an idea of what we're posting out here on The Pulse, let's just look at the 10 most recent headlines. Tom, uh, what do we have there? So I already mentioned uh, the most recent one about the, the new TSCA, uh reporting requirements. Uh, we also have the uh, UCMR data summary that was posted uh, that provides the drinking water results across the country, um, revisions to the air emission reporting requirements, the draft method 1633, um, an article on nearly half of the tap water in the U.S. is contaminated, and that's related to the UCMR results. So mm-hmm. that's providing some of the kind of the public feedback. Yeah. You can see what information is getting posted out there beyond what's coming from EPA. The news article on the uh, National Drinking Water Standards proposed by the current administration, mm-hmm. um, revisions to the ASTM standard yeah. that added PFOS in um, to the due diligence standard, um, plans for water regulations um, and studies, so information on water supply, water treatment, um, some information on product packaging and, you know, uh, PFOS and, and product, product yeah. packaging yeah. And, and, and products themselves, mm-hmm. um, information on toxicology or, or, or biota studies of looking at PFOS levels in fish, mm-hmm. uh, links to the new PFOS analytics tool on EPA. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a wide range of stuff. 
Um, it's it's not going to be applicable. You know, every link is not going to be applicable to everybody, but it covers a a pretty wide range of, of topics and tries to to really cover the 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 span of of PFOS. Yeah. All right. Well, Tom, thank you for telling us about the pulse today. Thanks for having me, and definitely subscribe. There's a lot of good information, and you know, reach out. We'd love your feedback. Yeah, head over to hrpassociates.com slash PFOS to subscribe today. And with that, we're going to head over to Matt Wallace to talk about P3. All right, folks, we're back this time with Matt Wallace, who co-hosts the PFOS Pulse podcast, better known as P3, with me, Matt that's right. I'm here. We're looking back at our previous episodes. Isn't that right? That is right. Now, the PFOS Pulse podcast is the companion podcast to our subscription service, which we talked about with Tom Darby just moments ago for you listeners. But on the podcast, we like to take a little bit more informal tone, uh, talk about things from an overview perspective, but then also at other times get in depth with uh, interviews or specific topics. It allows us to have a, a greater flexibility with the medium and the format so that we can get that vital PFOS information out to you faster. So this is going to be more of a nostalgia episode, I guess. Some of these yeah. I'm uh, it was before my time, but I have heard most of them just before I started co-hosting. You know, I started listening to all the old ones to know what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about uh, some of the more interesting ones or highlight some of the the top ones. So I'm going to just list through all of the ones that we did. And Matt will jump in okay. when he has some with commentary. My, with my uh, quips, analysis. I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Going all the way back to September 28th, 2021. Our very first actual episode, EPA's first validated laboratory method, EPA's preliminary effluent guidelines program plan. See, I like the idea of what we're doing right now because we're almost creating a timeline of important PFOS news. Yeah. Throughout. This could almost be like a documentary of the exactly. last three years of, of PFOS regulation as it's progressed because what you're telling me is like, kind of the origin of, I guess that's why we started the PFOS Mm -hmm. podcast when, see, like I wasn't around for that, but when I hear something like uh, the EPA putting out their first method, that's very important news for our clients to, to listen to, to know about. So it is worth creating a podcast to kind of like keep up with that idea. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to, that is probably going to come up several times. And and I, cause I, I've done a couple of those, also, as the EPA's updated the methods, and is that 1633 yet, or is that just that's just kind not of not into 1633? I don't think that idea had yet. existed yet. Yeah, I don't think so. Next up, we had PFOS and water resources. Then, in October of 21 of 2021, we've got EPA's PFOS strategic roadmap. Entering 2022, we have cracking down on PFOS. Why metal finishers need to be prepared. Yeah, the metal finishers, we do a, it's a like a TED talk, basically, mm-hmm. you know, where uh, we cover some aspect of, of PFOS regulation. And I think that was actually the second one we did, but it was probably the first one to be covered on the podcast because the podcast yeah. didn't exist in the one we did before that. Mm-hmm. And then I did the one after that, I think, when you're going to get to uh, 2023s or 20. Maybe it was late 2022. I can't remember. Well, well, we'll get there. Next up, we had EPA's regulatory timelines. Then we had an episode rounding up the headlines with Sean Malin. Then we had the TRI talk, where we talked about TRI reports and the possible changes on the horizon as they related to PFAS. Yeah, that one was a big deal. That yeah. uh, That's something that I currently do just at HRP, is that when it's TRA filing time, I'm scouring... SDSs and things for some of our clients and calling suppliers and saying, Hey, do you have this PFOS in this? Uh, Cause you know, they might submit an SDS from 2017 or something. And if it's before August, 2020, then that means that they didn't have to include PFOS in there. Mm-hmm. So I'm off calling and that's all because that's rule basically that yeah. we're that this one. So when was that? That one was uh, in May May twenty eight, okay. May twenty three, twenty twenty two. That wouldn't make sense because yep. TRI filing 
is around there. That's uh, TRIs, I think, are due June 1st or something. So that's very soon. Mm. Uh, I don't remember it being that chaotic. Maybe it didn't actually come into effect until after that or something. Next up, we had a case study, More Than Meets the Eye, with meat spelled M-E-A-T-S, as we were uh, getting some test results for meat that we'd sent out, grocery store meat, to see what the PFAS levels in it would be. We did a breaking news episode after that about EPA's announcement surrounding new drinking water health advisories. Uh, next up, we had NIPTI's guidance with Jason Davis, who talked to us about the National Pollutant Discharge Elimination System's guidance updates for PFAS discharges. After that, we had PFAS analytical testing with PACE. That is the first one we did with the DM1633 Yeah, I was going to say, there's your 1633. Mm-hmm. After that, we had EPA's announcement, PFAS levels in drinking water. That actually, I think that's the one that I was. <laughs> yeah, I got yes. confused. In this episode, host Tom Simmons is joined by project consultant Matt Wallace. There's where I started. To discuss okay. the EPA's recent announcement on PFAS levels in drinking water. Then we revisited the TRI topic, some insights into the new reporting year. We revisited the PFAS roadmap one year later. We followed that up with PFAS and CERCLA with our guest attorney, Rita Bolt Barker. Uh, who talked to us about the implications, uh, massive implications of the addition of PFOS to CERCLA as a hazardous substance. Yeah, that was a big deal. Uh, the CERCLA hazardous substance is one of those reportable uh, chemicals that a lot of our clients do every year, you know. So it's it's just one additional thing to keep track of and something that expands every year as, as more PFOS will get added and it hasn't been as chaotic as I thought it would be. Is it, maybe it's just it hasn't been long enough for people to realize that it's a thing yet. Yeah, maybe. Next up, we had PFOS Technologies with the 2022 B-Cone Roundtable panelists. And we ended 2022 with 3M to end PFOS production. That's a, you know, they started it all, didn't they? 3M yeah, them is, and DuPont. Yeah, 3M and DuPont are the... And we never covered, I think, in that same time period, because it seemed a little too clickbaity at the time, I yeah. think, to cover the DuPont. There was a DuPont lawsuit that was happening in that period as well, where DuPont got sued for some amount of money for, I don't think it was for lying about it. I don't, I'm not confident enough to... to they wouldn't lie. On a podcast. No, <laughs> yeah, right. Why would they? Well, <laughs> we kicked off 2023 with UV destruction in 45 minutes. We wanted to talk about whether or not UV treatment can really destroy 95% of PFOS chemicals in 45 minutes. Matt, do you remember uh, what our conclusions were from that? That was the, I liked the term that was used in that article a lot, decapitation Uh, of the, of the, which is very, you know, it's very on brand for science journalism to add these terms that just make it sound cooler than it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, think we came to the conclusion that it did indeed work and it was kind of a niche scenario and expensive to actually do that to PFOS. Yeah, sounds uh, right. When we brought Krista Ramirez on, she commented on that, but we're not there yet. We're so not we'll, there yet. Hold on, hold on. We got ways to go here. We got to talk about state of the science with Paul Newman of ECT2. Not that Paul Newman, but a Paul Newman. We followed that up with first ever national standard for PFOS in drinking water proposed. That was when the EPA dropped the parts per quadrillion number for the first time that I'd never seen that as even a metric before where it was uh, uh, the drinking for, for tap water plants, the amount of PFOS that they were required to, to detect. And I actually don't think it was just an advisory, so I don't think it was actually like a rule yet, and I don't think it. I think it's still not a rule, but the number was in parts per quadrillion. And so I'm used to a million. A quadrillion is a million million, you know. Personal favor for you, I'm sure, Matt. What to do when you test positive for PFOS? That's right. That's the one that I did for the New England metal finishers, and then we kind of turned that into a podcast after the fact, which was mm-hmm. kind of a simple breakdown of if you're just a Joe Smo working at a at a factory and you're required to test for PFOS and you see that you're over limit what you should do after that. Mm-hmm. I, li- I liked that episode because it dumbed it down enough for me to understand myself. Yeah. You know, so I knew you could, you were, you were meant to be a yeah, co-host that was here. My, that was my <laughs> gauntlet. <laughs> 
we had a we started getting into our state specific updates. We had our first one for PFOS in Connecticut. Then we had our South Carolina PFOS specific update. We revisited the NIPTES topic for an update there. That's right. So Matt, as as you of course remember well, a moment with <laughs> NIPTES. That's right. The the NIPTES permitting changes. Uh, the fact that in the near future, or maybe even currently now, uh, when POTWs and industries have to file their uh, NIPTES applications for uh, wastewater permits, they have to cover their uh, PFOS constituents to kind of uh, list what will be submitted in the nearby streams as a sense of... you got to think that... Uh, some of these wastewater treatment plants will be submitting to streams and then the the water treatment plants that get your tap water take the same water in the future. And the PFOS, there's, if there's no way to treat the PFOS for the water treatment plant, then that's going to be directly kind of something that the population's got to deal with, you know. Mm-hmm. Following up, we had our interview with Axine, where Kristen Ramirez of Axine Water Technologies joined us to talk about PFOS. I probably learned more from that one than in any of these, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Krista was just a wealth of information, you know, uh, and in sections of industry that we've never dealt with, like HRP and the pharmaceutical industry, I don't think we have any pharmaceutical clients. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. I shouldn't we'll see say what that. happens after the I, I podcast say that comes because out. Of our, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, we learned a lot about pharmaceutical industry and how f- environmental regulation works there, and also the methods that they're using to eliminate PFOS from their systems over on in Canada and the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. And our final episode, or I should say, our most recent episode was the state-specific update for New York, where we took a little bit of a different approach there. I had uh, Reed Lewandowski, who works in our New York office, tell me some of the bigger projects and stories that he had working on PFOS sites. And we got a few in the pipeline, too, that we haven't done yet also, right? True, yes. We will have uh, one coming out in the near future, talking about firefighting foam with PFOS and how it factors into class action lawsuits. Will... PFOS become the next mesophilioma late night infomercial. If your loved one was impacted by PFOS contamination, call this number now to join a class action lawsuit. What is that going to look like for us? We will have our friends, our guests, attorneys come up to tell us what's going on there. See, I love that idea for a podcast because I think that future is kind of inevitable. Mm-hmm. You know, that if, and we we have seen that a little bit already anyways. Yeah. You know, there have been lawsuits. They haven't been, well, there've been lawsuits against like, like 3M, for example, it's, it is, we're in that age now, I guess, where suing for PFOS exposure is a kind of valid thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, we also have coming up what we just recorded moments ago, a interview with Jackie Baxley on updates to Tosca. I like that one a lot too. I learned to see because that's fresh in my mind yes. because it was 30 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, now that's my favorite. That's yeah, how, that's, the best that's one, how I right am. There. Yeah, yeah exactly. right in front of mine. All right. Well, Matt, thanks for being here. We are going to shortly head over to Magnetic South, the brewery that is just a hallway away from our office for the play hard section. Yeah. Great to have a little memory lane episode. Everybody out there, make sure you check out some of those episodes. Uh, Be ready because even better content is coming down the lane for PFOS. So if you are not already subscribed to the PFOS Pulse, go to hrpassociates.com slash PFOS and subscribe today. (laughs) There's a robotic You got it out. I got it. We got there. And make sure to subscribe to P3, the PFOS Pulse podcast. Head over there and find it on all of your feeds for podcasts. All right, we'll see you on PlayHard. Okay. Welcome to the PlayHard section <laughs> that last part of up. the podcast. Matthew's a foul mouth, as you can tell. I'm not a foul mouth. He's a, he's a hard soda drinking, foul mouth. When the camera's on, my language gets better. Oh, just, just the worst. But we are here today with myself, Tom Simmons, and your content creator at HRP Associates. 
Matt. Hello, this is Matthew Wallace. I'm a project consultant with HRP Associates dot Inc. Mm-hmm. Dot. Ink dot. The dot ink goes after dot. the ink. That's true. And our latest addition to the podcast family. <laughs> Julia. Hello. Uh, Julia Corradino, project consultant. I'm a geo. A lot of hesitancy around your own name Well, there. I was expecting you to say it because you said his name. I said Matt, and then I let him take it from there. <laughs> I took it from I there. just signaled to him that it was like, it was time to talk. <laughs> okay. okay. Sure. And, He's a uh, natural performer, though. So. Yeah, well, natural, maybe. His, it, it's trained. His it's deliberately not just robotic delivery. <laughs> exactly. On his own it's name. a. It is a shtick that I. <laughs> I have a specific market, and the people who like it really just eat it up. And he, I. He's a shtickler. Hone in on that demographic. Mm-hmm. And we are in the Greenville, South Carolina office. We're in the brewery section of the office, which is uh, a hallway away from where we typically sit to do our work. Here's where we do our drinking. It is Magnetic South. Really excellent brewery down here. Uh, first time. Being here in this brewery? Like oh, no, I've it? come here a lot. I okay. was coming over here before I was hired. Sean kind of used it that's as That's the like old a, school HRP hiring method. Yeah, Who's kinda, drinking nearby the office? He kind of used it as like a way to get me to come over to the dark side. Yeah, I know. You were in here and like, yeah, I went to Clemson. It's like you're hired. And so the light side you of You can't this? talk about <laughs> Why not? Consultant. They know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to bleep that. <laughs> There's just one black pause, and then it comes back on. Foul mouth Matt just going at it again. Can't we like they do can't a great job with that. E. coli work. They do a great job. The e. coli with, work. Yeah, we always give our E. coli samples. They do. They do process E. coli samples. Okay. And they do a very good job. And the way that they submit their uh, reports is uh, easier to look at than any other uh, lab. Yeah, they just do a real. That's true. Real crackerjack job there. But we're better. It's true. No, not we don't. We're not better. I used to work for them. Okay. So that's why I'm like, let's not <laughs> be nice. Talk about not trash talk my, my former employer. We're, just, ma- we're yes. just making sure you can't work for them again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you. But this is all distraction from the really serious topic that we're here to talk about today, which is uh, what is the best hat? What are inappropriate hats? I have a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hats. Nine hat hat types. These are styles of hat because I got into this. We were given pink ball caps today by uh, Sean, our regional manager. And it got me thinking, like, ball caps are pretty much the only hat you're allowed to wear. Uh, also, beanies a little bit. These days, beanies they put you a in jail bit. if you're wearing something other if than If you ball wear cap. pretty much anything else, a top hat. When was the last time you saw a man unironically wearing a top hat and it wasn't just... You can wear a cowboy hat. You can. You can. Where I'm if, from. You're, if you're a certain person, not where you're from. You're a certain... Yeah, cowboy. You are allowed to wear <laughs> yeah, a cowboy hat. In the South. <laughs> if you're a specific kind of person, you are allowed to wear a... Newsy cap, I think, if you're no, no. a certain kind of person, but this is also disagreed with. You're not allowed to wear that hat. No newsies. So ball cap, we'll start out easy. Mm-hmm. Out of ten. Well, before we even get into it? that, let's okay. let's let's just mention that this was just that this was a topic that came up that has been was discussed prior we were to filming. Yes. So if you work at HRP, these this is what your day will be filled with is discussions of. What is the best? Let's go over the rules to this. Cap here. Okay. <laughs> also, set it up for us. Uh, okay. So I'm going to ask everyone out of ten what each uh, hat style gets, mm-hmm. and then we're going to add up. So the max you get would be thirty points if we all give Fedora a ten out of ten. Uh, would be a total of thirty points, and it would be the winner. So we, we want to be kind of cool. Nightmares. Yeah, we are in a half casino arcade. It uh, never stops, too. If you walk in here at 6 a.m. to get an early start of your day, it's going off. It's still going. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we've got the basics of the rules down. Any we caveats be mean. there? We, we want to yeah, be yeah. kind of nothing should get a 10 except for maybe cowboy hat because I do think it is uh, objectively the best okay. hat. Uh, I, I'll fight for some some down there. I do want to get I love into berets too. Also, yeah. is beret on there? Yeah, beret is on there. on there. So the the what hats in question. Okay. Just continue. Ball cap, fedora, newsy, beanie, cowboy hat, beret, trapper hat, which is the Canadian kind of ear fluffy oh. Russian style. If uh-huh. you're cold. I, I always imagine the communists like sickle and and uh, <laughs> hammer yeah, yeah. on there in the middle. Uh-huh. Uh a deer stalker hat, which is Sherlock Jones. Sherlock, Sherlock, not Jones. Sherlock Jones. Sherlock, 
What's his name? <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah, that's his name. Uh, Sherlock Holmes hat. And then I top hats. I picture that. Yeah, you, you know his hat. Wait. We went through this Wait. earlier with the other hats, by the For way. For the... Okay. Yes, what, what started this was... He got, he got three hats is. deep, and then he started. I didn't like, know what a newsie. Mm. A newsie. She didn't know a what a newsie, newsie was, and then apparently was. that's too cringy to it's wear in public. Cringy. It's very cringy. Uh, this is a deer stalker hat. I think it's debatable. Okay. This should even be also on the cringe. list. I, yeah. I think no not cringe. That. Yeah, no. No one wears it, but it is awesome. Okay, I have a question, but I'll save it till we go through all of the other hats. I have one other hat suggestion. Get on that mic a little bit more. Let's make oh, sure can you here. actually hear me? Yeah, you can, can also raise it to your face. You don't have to bring your face to the mic. This is more comfortable for me. We okay. can add Whatever, additional hats. Do you have... Um, no, but it, it's like a surprise hat at the end. Ooh, bonus okay, hat. Okay, I like a bonus <laughs> hat. All right, <laughs> a bonus hat for the round. Yeah. A bonus hat. So, okay. ball cap. Julia, out of 10, what do you rank ball cap? Now... The there most are basic hat. different types of ball caps, though. Mm-hmm. There's the kind that you guys are wearing, which has the mesh in the back. Yep, and the hard. And then style. I have a denim ball cap, which I would rank that 10 out of 10. It hits yeah. different. Yeah. It does hit different. And these ones are shaped different. There's also flat bill mm-hmm. caps. We didn't specify any of this. Yep. So if I'm grouping all of those. Just ball cap, just as a general mm-hmm. style. And I do think what we're wearing is probably the most common I think kind that of the denim hat brings it up to a 10, right? But the trucker hat brings it down. It depends on what's on the trucker hat, though. If it mm. says something like catchy, mm-hmm. uh-huh. you know. That's true is that. It can have things on it. Ball yeah. caps are almost an advertising space. Yeah. More than yeah. any other hat, for sure. Or like, yeah, I mean, it they can say something funny. They take a design funny, very well. Yeah. You know? like, uh, They're extremely capitalist friendly, which is probably why it's the most common like American squid hat. Like Squidbillies. Like you ever watch Squidbillies? Yes. I, I have yeah. seen Squidbillies. There's one that says, I'm doing as best as I can. <laughs> I mean, that's hilarious. That's funny. It's really funny. So that's a trucker hat. <sighs> There's too many factors. Mm. I'll, I'll give it an eight. There's eight too many ten. factors. It eight can be They can be bad. I'm going to write J for Julia. Then I'm going to write T for Tommy Sims. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to write M for Matthew Wallace. Okay. Uh, ball cap from Julia, eight out of ten. Eight. Tommy Sims? It's a 10 out of 10 for me. 10 out of 10 out of the gate. But here's the reason why it's so good. It's impossible to wear it wrong. Any way in which Mm. you can think of to wear it. No, it can be worn wrong. Subjectively, but... but (laughs) No, no, no. That doesn't count as wearing it. Okay, so if you like turn it around uh-huh. like you have it but then put it off of your head and yeah. tilt it that's wrong but people wear somebody it that way. that's the thing people wear it that that's, way yeah but that's what i'm talking it about it looks wrong i will judge you but if I, I if i wore a cowboy hat backwards i would look insane it is immediately wrong yeah okay, right. fair. there's Good no point. there's no subgroup okay, of people okay okay i yeah. see what you're saying okay. i take that and i counterpoint with a beret can't really be worn wrong a newsie can't really be worn wrong in the same way. Uh, I'm looking a at these. Those might be the only ones that a top hat is just kind of a top hat. A beanie can't be worn wrong. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever actually worn a top hat before, so I don't know if it can be worn wrong. But I feel like it's just a circle, right? So sometimes there's really... a buckle. Yeah, there's I feel a like Abe Lincoln had like a oh, buckle. Oh man, we should have put the pilgrim or hat like on a there. pilgrim. I should have put tricorn hat. on here. <laughs> is, that's not that's not the bonus round hat, is it? No. Okay. It's a surprise hat. We haven't talked about. We're running out of time, and we got a lot of hats to get through. Fair point. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to give uh, Bald Cap a 7 out of 10 because I think it does... Des- I instinctually don't... Li- as a uh, contrarian hipster boy, I hipster boy. F- I feel like I'm not allowed to like them because they are so popular. and uh, But they it, it just, from like a factual level, they just work, right? Like, mm-hmm. they shield my face from the sun. True. Yeah. Which is have the utility. actual point yeah. of a hat. He's very much in uh, shadow right now as a result of right, his hat. Right, I'm wearing his hat, and shadow. I have to, like, kind of just, like, point it straight up. You can't so even I don't see just, it, like, like, who's over there? Who's under that hat? a pure, dark cloud it over It does myself. change, who, like, how you look. Yeah. It changes, I mean, but in kind oh, of a good I guess way. All hats. It is an appealing hat. Yeah. Uh, so that's a seven, and it's more of a biased negative seven than anything. So far, I'm thinking mm-hmm. that Tommy Sims is the... You're the Randy of the three judges here. You know, like in American Idol, Randy was always just down. Yeah. He liked everybody, even if they were garbage. Well, he always had something well, nice well, to say. Well, it's funny you say that, because Fedora is going to be a z- one out of ten for me. Okay. I had, to bring, I had to pull it back there, because if you are like one, the, lead, the lead in a smooth jazz combo, right. then you can wear it. 
but Julie, it has what do no you, other appropriate use. What do you think about a fedora? I think it actually does have a purpose. It makes people cringy. There's and, an inherent likability to how cringy it is. My sense of humor is uh-huh. post-ironic. Sure. And therefore, <laughs> very cringy. Very Gen Z of you. So very so sincere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so cringy is enjoyment. So I'll give it a five. A five? You know what? I actually think five's a pretty good place for it because I would never wear one. But when I do see someone wearing it, I think you've skipped. I think we are beyond the phase where miladying people with a fedora was seen as extremely cringy. And I think it is now cute. And, you know, I'm going to give it a six. I'm going above a five. Wow. Look at this guy. I cannot, I cannot in good faith put fedora on the same mm-hmm. number as ball I think that if cap. someone miladied me, I would laugh in their face, but in a good way. Yeah. In a positive way. Exactly. We'd be having a good time together. Right. Exactly. Fair enough. Now, Newsy. This is where the real disagreement's going to come from, because I think Newsy is a straight-up 9 out of 10 hat. I'm not going to give it a 10 out of 10. There's no... The message of a Newsy is, I am going bald. (laughs) It really is, and I am. There's no other way. If if someone takes a Newsy off, and they got a full head of hair, it is a shocking revelation. (laughs) (laughs) Extremely good point, and I feel like you have really attacked me with this statement because I love them, and and my hairline is definitely receding. As you can see, especially after I've been wearing a hat a while, it really just becomes more obvious. In my receding hairline era... I think it also, hats make you lose your hair. I don't know if that's true. I think it is true. I think it is true, but I think it's not by as much as people make it out to be. Like, you start losing your hair, and then you're like, oh, gotta wear a cap. Okay. Yep. And, and then, then it you suffocates s- your, yeah. your yeah. scalp. Well, we don't know for sure, so we're just going to fully commit to it being true. Okay. <laughs> I was, well, never mind. It doesn't matter. That's not a detail. I've heard it about. enough times where I believe it, but if it were if it were false, I would well, also Well, think about, it. okay, this mm-hmm. is what I was going to say. Think about old people who wear socks all the time. They lose their hair where they wear their socks. Yeah, okay. but they wear those socks. They're wearing them compression socks. That yeah, are but like, that's yeah. also, but it's a thing that happens. You're wearing a compression sock on your head. Well, I wear some, I wear some, tight socks and have you lost your hair no i have an excessive amount a- of cankle hair that is not going anywhere <laughs> no matter how no matter how tight my though. socks it is a thing that happens okay factually all right so i'm giving newsy nine out of ten. Oh my god right off the bat what I'm are you giving, giving newsy i'm giving newsy three out of ten. Three out of ten from tommy sims yeah. all right you know what that's okay it's too ubiquitous with a particular thing that people don't want to be associated with I'm going to give it a two. Two out of ten. All right. I don't think I've ever seen anyone Slamming wear one. in that Newsy. Though, uh, to be completely honest with you. Newsy is still beating Fedora only because of my boost. <laughs> but <laughs> now Beanie. Beanie uh, is a solid. <laughs> I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, <laughs> ten out of ten for the Beanie. <laughs> I'm going to get an eight out of ten only because it is a seasonal hat unless you're yeah. late 90s yeah. uh, I can't wear Colin this thing in, in the summer yeah, I'm hot right now it's not a summer hat at no. all yeah. and it provides no it doesn't serve the purpose of a hat which no. is to shield your face it serves from a purpose in that it keeps a lot yeah. of warmth in your body that is the real purpose when you are yeah. cold sure and it definitely does that that is you know what I'm treating still keeping it 10 out of 10 yeah. I'm I am biased towards the shade element of the hat I think and I do think the warming element of the hat is a. But I think if I'm in the field in the winter, I'm wearing a beanie. I'm not wearing do, doing mm-hmm. field work. <gasps> I think there well, are. Okay, hats I won't say anything until we get to the lightning round. <laughs> there I have are hats an inch, that do warming better. <laughs> a bon- another bonus hat. Mm-hmm. So, so you could be a hat that warms ears and your head better than a beanie can, and then also shield from. Yeah, the you sun. can. There, there, those exist. Yeah. yeah, I used to have one of those. Yeah. I don't anymore because I traded it for, for the, that reason. For I am going to be. I actually do like a beanie, so I'm not going to rate it. Too Plus, low, they're cute. So you're giving it a ten. Yeah. So ten, eight, and I'm going to give it a. So if I give it an eight right now, it will win probably. Well, we don't know. You we can't still, judge we like that. You're, you got to be. Your top I'll, hat, yeah. I'll be honest with myself and give it an eight, which is what I think it deserves. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> to be impartial. Over I there. do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I do feel a sense of like. Like, uh, I'm decided. I don't want to be the, the, the we gotta move. We gotta move. What's next? Cowboy. <laughs> uh, cowboy hat. Cowboy hat. 10? 10 out of 10. It's such a cool hat. I love a it cowboy hat. It is such a cool hat. And whoever's it. wearing a cowboy hat is inherently very cool. 
Um, you can look goofy as hell in a cowboy. You can, hat, but though, then you like shouldn't me. be wearing one. I can't yeah, pull I off a cowboy hat, so I can wear a cowboy hat. But when you see somebody pulling off a cowboy, that's hat. what I'm saying. If you're pulling it off, you are cool. I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten because seven it is so specific it is and so hard to do. <laughs> but the people that do it, it, you know what? I'm gonna mm. give it a nine out of ten. Wow. And uh, only the only reason why it doesn't get a ten out of ten is because I can't wear one. Mm-hmm. Leave one for the Holy Ghost. I don't <laughs> think I could wear one either. Although I have. Uh, when I do wear one, another hat. Oh, the, we got you a got lot of lightning round hats. Yeah, we yeah, got to keep. Okay. We got to keep this moving. Now beret. Beret. Uh, zero. Zero. Zero no, for no, beret. No. I'll, give it, I'll give it a two for the French people. Yeah, what, what about, about your what about military vacation? berets? And uh, beret is a versatile hat. Actually, uh, we should say that we've right. excluded hats that are specific to sacred or ethnic yes, traditions. Yeah. No this yarmulkes. is just about That's your turbans. Your uh, your everyday hat. hats that anybody can wear, which I think is we're going to exclude military headgear as okay, well. Okay, fair. I think fair. we did yeah. already. Yeah. Well, beret is kind of military. Well, you specifically said. Well, what yeah. about the, what about yeah, army guys? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking green beret specifically. But uh, Braza, four out of ten for me. So two out of ten, four out of ten. Mm, I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. I like a beret. Ah, look at you go. But, I don't uh, know many French people, you know. Trapper hats <laughs> that they wear in Canada, and they really do be wearing those hats. That's not just a ten. okay. Ten, ten out of ten. Okay. <laughs> okay. Three. They're very comfortable. If three you're cold. out of ten for a trapper. Three. Hat. Three. Babies better in any every situation. No, no but your are, ears. They are it's extremely comfortable. They are way warmer <laughs> than a than a beanie. Like they ten are. Ten out of ten. They I think are, they're cool. Yeah. I think they look you cool. Just wear a hood at that. I think the people cool. that wear them look cool. They look cool. They have really. Uh, I just associate them with Canada so much, you know. Like, but I realize, like, okay. cold Canadians are cool. Yeah, they're uh, cool. I'm going <laughs> to yes. give it a 9 out of 10. Wow. Okay. Deer stalker hat, Sherlock Holmes, 10 Zero. out of 10. I didn't know his name, but I like this his hat. This is literally so. the only person who's ever worn that hat. I'll give it a 7, and it's just because he's cool. 7, and then you say 0? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you a point one for the sake of having to put some rating. Oh, yeah, you have fun with the, the math on that. Uh, <laughs> Top hat. Um, gonna give it a ten out of ten for old honest Abe. I guess that's a stove type pot. Type top hat, hat. You know what? But I'm gonna give what? it a ten out of ten to destroy this at last second and have top Julia, hat. Julia, you gonna throw this thing? What if I give it a one? It's you. You, you can't do now. whatever you want to do. I didn't choose one yet. Okay. Top hat. What do you got? Top hat. No, top hats are cool. The least socially acceptable hat up. The but list. it's still cool, like yeah. in the setting that it's allowed. Yeah. You know, like the Monopoly did, man. Yeah. Would you, if someone walked in with a Eight. top hat, you'd be like the coolest Eight. guy in the room. Top hat just took it. Okay. Well, we got our lightning round hats. Real quick, but first lightning round hat. Okay, the hat that's got the little. Uh, oh, that one. <laughs> A little spinny thing. Uh, like the Will Smith <laughs> Fresh Prince of Bel Air 90s hat yeah. with multiple colors. 10 out of 10 Propeller on that. Hat. Propeller, Propeller hat. Propeller hat. Thank you. Propeller Thank hat. You. 10 out of 10. Um, I'm going to give it uh, 7 out of 10. I'm dinging it for safety reasons. <laughs> 7. Uh, safety reasons are a good thing. It's so nostalgic that I feel like I have to give it a 9 out of 10, despite the fact that it is indeed a cap. The cap is what hurt, subtracts that extra one from me. And uh, my lightning round is the hard hat. The hard hat. Which I will be giving ten a... 10 out of 10. Wow, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> because it, you would no. literally never wear it other than Yeah, on, but people in hard hats also look cool. Well, if they're doing something, yeah. you know. I guess it does make you look official. I look yeah. very lame in a hard hat, but I... I mean, I wear And so cool at every other circumstance. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> what do you give me that hard hat? I'm, I think I'm going to join you with the 6. Uh, my lightning round hat. Now I have to... I have another one. Think about, okay. We're gonna go yeah. back to Julia. I'll let I'll you. Sombrero. Oh, sombrero. I feel oh, like we're cool. getting into ethnically yeah. defined. This hats is different. Ten out of ten. So is a beret. Yeah, we're gonna give it a ten out of ten, but we're going to specify that you have to be. It has to. Yeah, it has to be, be culturally acceptable <laughs> yeah. reason that you're wearing that a sombrero. It. This is not something that gets to be worn by. No. Yeah. No. Right. By me, but they by are me. cool. <laughs> yes. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. So I previously established my bias towards how well it protects you from the sun. Uh-huh. I mean, nothing compares to sombrero. Right? That's literally yeah. what sombrero sombrerize and like the, shade. The fisherman's it. hat. The fisherman's hats are pretty oh, which good. Which is a, hat. a yeah. super utility-based 
yeah. hat, yeah. but looks dorky as hell. Yeah, they I do. Wear it. They do. But I do reason. know people that wear them in the field. So what yeah. are you giving yeah. sombrero? By the way, sombrero is a ten out of ten. Yeah. Um, fisherman's hat. I'm giving it five out of ten because it's so dorky, but it's also such a useful hat. I'll give it an eight. Because if you're if you're like confident enough to wear something that makes you look dorky. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're no longer really dorky. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give it an eight because I like the you ever looked into a shark's eyes, uh, Jaws mm-hmm. monologue, and I always imagine him in that hat. I don't remember if he actually was wearing it in that scene, but yep. uh, is this being released this month? Because I have one week. more hat next week. Okay, next week. Yeah, perfect. A witch's hat. Nice. Oh my God, witch hat. <laughs> <laughs> we forgot it, and there's one right there. Witch hat on top of those pumpkins. Which could also honestly be a wizard hat. That you still got some wizards wearing hats. Sure, like that. Yeah. sure, sure, uh, sure. We're giving it a nine out of ten only because it is seasonal hat. Another seasonal oh, I, hat. I think it's extremely anytime appropriate. I'll, I'm going to give it a perfect ten out of ten. Honestly, well, I'm gonna I'd give it an you eleven to out of ten. Come but. in wearing a witch's hat at a random time of the year. <laughs> oh, my people choosing. would think I was oh, so <laughs> cool if I did that. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, you're exactly as cool I'll give it a as nine. they think you are now. <laughs> uh, so, Witch's Hat would come in second place. What, okay, Som- what are, what are, what's our ranking? Sombrero, perfect 30. Yep. Witch's Hat, uh, what is that, a 28. Uh-huh. Uh, Sombrero got perfect 30? Beanie yeah. is probably the highest ranked. Beanie and Top Hat are both tied at 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, cowboy Hat right underneath at 26. And then I don't want to add up everything else. Everything else is less than that. Yeah, you don't need to worry about those losers. Yeah. Everything else is a loser. Okay, well, that wraps it up. That is our hat discussion. Thank you so much for joining us here at Magnetic South. Great brewery (laughs) in Greenville. Julia, thank you for being a part of of this broadcast. Yes. Matt. Had fun. Is also here. Uh, No, we love Matt. Matt, thank (laughs) you for being here. here. (laughs) Honestly, we couldn't do this without Matt, and I'm so glad that we got to... Do an in-person recording for once. It's way more fun like this. Because he's a huge benefit to what we do at HRP. I just want to say to everybody out there, Matt, thank you for everything that you do here. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everybody. Remember to uh, five stars down there if you're watching on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Subscribe. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.